welcome to the Pitbull Patty Show. I'm your host, Patty Stuckler. We're keeping it real here with straight talk and sharing true stories that will inspire you to change your life. Are you ready for this? Because here we go. My guest, Lynn Franklin, has an amazing story to tell today. She and her husband almost died when their house caught on fire, and it was her dog that saved her life and her husband's and, and really literally got them out of their burning house with just the clothes on their back. And uh, she's going to share that story today, and she's also going to talk about, uh, you know, kind of give a warning about some of the dangerous electrical panels uh, that are out there in homes built prior to 1990 that you might want to definitely be aware of and, and uh, check out. So to tell such an amazing story, welcome Lynn Franklin. Welcome, Lynn. Thank you, Patty, and thank you so much for doing this particular episode because I really want people to know about this so they don't go through the horror that we did um, because it turns out that these boxes there are a lot of them and um, we didn't know that when we bought our house and it was inspected and everything cleared uh, anyway back in the summer of 2003 um, it was a hot summer day in June and um, shortly before dawn my standard poodle Sam started barking and I figured he was barking at a deer, so I told him to be quiet and pulled the blanket over <laughs> my head. And um, he was having none of that. And he pulled the blanket, not only did he pull the blanket off, but he grabbed my arm and pulled me from bed. And it was that point that I came fully awake and I smelled smoke. And he led me down uh, the hall to where the fuse box was. And I, uh, we, I walked in and there were flames shooting up. Just the whole box was on fire. Wow. And I yelled for my husband and he came rushing in and he said, there's nothing we can do. We grabbed our robes and the dogs. And as we were running out of the house, the windows were exploding behind us. Um, the fire went up so fast and so hot that all of our smoke and alarms melted without going off. So if the dog hadn't pulled me out of bed, we probably would have slept right through that. Wow. It would have def definitely been too late. So you just were in a, just a totally dead sleep, you know, no pun yeah. intended. You and your husband, yes. John, were just totally asleep, had no awareness. Nothing whatsoever. And, wow. You know, it was, uh, it was pretty amazing that the dog understood how dangerous this was but to see that whole panel it was something that I'll never forget and I hope that your listeners never have to run into wow so when you got out of the house I mean you just there was nothing you could do obviously your house was was in flames yeah and you literally what what happened next uh we ran up we're set where the house is set way down in we're surrounded by five acres of forest. So we ran next door, up a hill and next door, and our neighbors called for us. And um, we had to wait for the fire trucks. In the meantime, the neighbors started showing up with offers of clothing and places to live. It's a wonderful neighborhood. Problem was, when the firemen got there, 
they couldn't get right to work because the way that the panel was fused, the, the uh, box itself some had not, was not fused at all. So it had not disconnected the house from the electricity running into the house. The um, firemen had to wait until the electric company actually turned off the electricity before they could get into the house. And wow. by that time, the house was destroyed. So they, so the fire company, the fire department actually had to call the electric company to yes. turn off the electricity to the house from the That's street. That's right, now. from wow. the street. Wow. I mean, the fire comp, the firemen in Calvert County. I can't say enough good about them. They are wonderful, um, and thank goodness nobody was hurt. But if the fuse box had worked correctly, we would not have lost the entire house. Um, basically. Something started an arc, and it was not installed correctly. That was how they were installing in those days. Um, and because it wasn't installed correctly, it allowed the arc to keep going from the outside electricity. So, and your home was built in what year? The original house? Uh, 1979. 1979. I know you had it totally rebuilt by 2005. Yes. Right? So... Um, so that is just so uh, interesting because I've had, I know just in the last several months, I've had um, three separate contracts where I was working with a buyer or my team uh, was, one of my team members was working with a buyer and the, upon the home inspection, the panel box was Federal Pacific and Federal Pacific is known as an extremely unsafe electrical panel box that if a home inspector sees that, they will write it up and in the, the ones I had recently, all three of them that, that they found the Federal Pacific, the home inspector wrote that, that, that they're extremely unsafe and that they have to be replaced. They're recommended. They don't have to be, I suppose, but um, I, would, I always tell buyers that we're working with, if, if it comes across with anything with that, a Federal Pacific, or if the home inspector cites it as unsafe and dangerous, you, get, you, know, you need to have the seller replace it. And it's, you're talking about $1,000. Uh, typically somewhere in that range to get the electrical panel box replaced. But the Federal Pacific in particular, and I did a little bit of research before talking to you today, they were, those panel boxes were put in, in the, between the 1950s and the 1980s. So prior to 1990, you, uh, these boxes were put in, they were extremely unsafe and they would not trip. So when, when normally the electrical panels will, the circuit breakers will trip, when the, there's overheating going on with a wire, that's how they're built. These particular boxes, they do not do that. They just don't trip. And so you have a fire when it gets overheated, wires in there, and then there you go. And then uh, it becomes very unsafe. And there's a couple other, um, just for people to be aware of, there's a couple of other kinds of boxes. The Zinsco, it's like Z-I-N-S-C-O, Zinsco Panels or GTE Sylvania panels. They're, they're not all dangerous. That's not the case for those. They're not all in that same category, but some of them have been found to be defective. So you definitely want to have an electrician come check it out. Look at your panel box. If you've got an older house, definitely. Um, I'm sure if somebody would have told you to check out yours, even though you, I know you did not have a Federal Pacific uh, panel box, right? That's right. In fact, the 
fire ins inspector, when he came out, he was pretty surprised because what we had is called a square D, which has a good reputation. Mm. And the problem was not the company. It was at that time in history, which is why everybody who has an older home needs to get these checked. At that time, they weren't required in this county to have uh, the way these boxes fused. And so the box that was put in was not actually fused. So nothing, it did not trip from the main, from the main breaker. Um, so the, the inspector was surprised when he saw the brand. So I would recommend to your, to your listeners that they don't just rely on brand. Um, if you have an older house, get it checked. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a, a, a qualified electrician can come check it out. If there's nothing wrong, great. You'll be able to sleep at night knowing, you know, that, hey, yes. everything's good. And if something happens, you'll be okay. Of course, get smoke detectors too. Uh, but, you know, I mean, this, this is something that's serious. What you experienced is very serious when you have some kind of problem with your with your panel, electrical panel. So, what is what has this uh, been like for you as far as I mean was something that tragic and being two years you live two years uh, basically uh, at friends or relatives or what what happened in those two years from 03 to 05 we were very fortunate and this is another thing I recommend for your listeners um, when we bought the house it was an unusual construction it was a deck house which was a style that was made out of uh, mahogany. And it goes up like a tinderbox because it was made <laughs> like mahogany. But it was beautiful. And I had assumed because my insurance that we had had on previous homes was uh, replacement cost. And somewhere along the lines, when they send you those little form, little letters with all the fine print, they changed and were no longer replacement cost. And I had double checked on this when we got, got the insurance instead of going with my regular insurance company. And that's how I found out we no longer had replacement. I had bought new insurance. There's only a few companies now that will do total replacement costs for your home. And there are a lot of consumer organizations out of recommending that you not pay for total replacement costs because if you're fortunate, you'll never have to use that. But I would recommend that you buy, go ahead and pay for the replacement costs. Our insurance was good, and so they paid for us to rent a house during that time. Um, the other thing I would recommend is as soon as the house burned down, we were swamped with crooks people wanting to come in and do things and they would say our insurance company had sent them and the insurance company had not sent them and I imagine this is the kind of thing that you're going to run into if you're flooded if you have a fire any of the stuff that happens to our homes be very careful <laughs> so Lynn what did what exactly were they offering to do that these like scammers what were they approaching you with well, one scammer wanted to come in and try to clean the smoke off of all of our clothes. The insurance company had told me, these clothes are destroyed. There's no way they're going to clean your clothes. Another one came in, and I kid you not, they, at this point they had decided the only option was to tear the house down. 
and a cleaning crew arrived and said the insurance company wanted us to clean, wanted them to clean the ceilings. And we kept telling them, no, 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 they're taking this house, they're tearing the house down. <laughs> we don't have any ceilings to we clean. We don't have any ceilings, exactly. And of course, the workers didn't know anything. They, they were just sent by their company. It wasn't them that was the problem. So this is the kind of thing that, that happens apparently and they happen fast i mean we the people that tried to take the clothes to be clean they arrived at the same time as our insurance adjuster and wow. it was, the insurance adjuster had gone through the house and he had warned me now don't let people do this and sure enough there were people there trying to do that wow so, it's, I would, yeah. I, it kind of sounds like the, um, you know, the ambulance chasers, you know, where you, yes. I yeah. mean, you're just like people are sitting there listening to police scanners and then when they hear a fire, they're, they're just swooping in before the, <laughs> for yes. the state farm guy or whatever, the insurance adjuster. <laughs> well, you, you've heard stories of, you know, during the hurricanes and stuff, scammers trying to say they're going to replace your roof and thing. Well, mm -hmm. it happens with any tragedy with your house. Wow. Anyway, well, you, you asked what happened afterwards. Yeah. So, so this tragedy that happened because that's just so, I can't even imagine. I, I, I just can't imagine losing like things that are not replaceable, truly not replaceable memorabilia heirlooms, things that, you know, really matter at the end of the day. Um, now, you only just had the one dog, right? Yes, we had a, a standard poodle. Standard poodle. And what kind, What was his name? It was, his name was Sam, and wow. he was uh, Sam Clemens. I named him after one of my favorite authors, Mark Twain, of course. Aww. My husband and I are both authors, so all of our dogs are named after authors. The current oh, cool. Go yeah. ahead. Current one is Dashiell Hammett, so <laughs> got a mystery writer now. But, but how yeah. and how old was Sam when the fire happened? When he, you know, he rescued was, you, really? He was only about five years old, so he wasn't all that old. Mm -hmm. And um, actually, I think he was even younger than that because what happened afterwards? When people have a fire or a flood, I've since found this life becomes before fire and after fire and um or before flood and after flood you sort of divide your house that way and as we were waiting for the house to get built um i kind of it really makes you focus on what's important yeah so you you so you you talk like before fire and, a, and after fire as far as your life you kind of is that how you see life now uh, pretty much, yes. You kind of, it really makes you, forces you to look at what's important. And so after the fire, I spent more time with family. Um, I've been a writer all of my life, but what I've always, but I was doing nonfiction. And what I really wanted to do was fiction. So I started writing mystery novels and they are and they've been Amazon bestsellers, getting five-star reviews from strangers, which just thrills me to death. And uh, I also realized I needed to relax, so I started dancing with my standard poodle. So it was after the fire that you started uh, doing the performance uh, type, yes. the dog show type things with... Yes. Oh, I didn't realize that, because I, yes. I knew that you did that, but I didn't know that that was something that came out about after. So... So it sounds like there's some things that uh, 
you probably wouldn't be doing today had not this happened. Not that you would ever want this to happen, but the, the silver lining uh, in, in this tragedy yeah. to happen, it sounds like he kind of got a chance to really re-examine some things and maybe do some really cool things like the writing. What, what, what kind of uh, writing do you do as far as what, what are your fiction uh, novels about? They're unusual because my grandfather was a Swiss watchmaker and a jeweler. And so I wanted to do uh, novels where you learn something about gemstones and jewelry, about the legends of gemstones. So these are mysteries. mysteries and the main character is a jeweler's granddaughter. Um, she's in her 30s and she has a psychology degree. And basically, she's kind of a reluctant amateur sleuth. She gets pulled into things. Of course, you've, with, a, with a jewelry store, you've got possibilities for robberies and you know this kind of this kind of stuff that the one I'm working on right now is about turquoise and I was looking and this is how a mystery writer thinks I was at a poodle show with my with Sam and um, they had standard poodles doing hunting so picture these poodles in the curly <laughs> hair okay and they're hunting and they were using they would shoot a gun with the duck, you know, and to pretend duck hunting. So the dogs would then run out and get the ducks. And I thought, <laughs> what a great place for a murder. <laughs> I mean, this is how a mystery writer thinks. <laughs> so one of the scenes, so the first murder in the new book that will be coming up in a couple of years probably will be at a poodle hunting trial. So it takes you several years for each. No how many novels yes. have you written? Uh, there's three that are out right now. Um, the most recent takes place in an honest-to-goodness emerald mine in North Carolina, which was fascinating. It was unlike anything I expected, and I didn't know we had emeralds in this country. You kind of think of that as Columbia. Yeah, who knew? Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have known that. Yeah, so it's just kind of a it's, a, it's a fun thing to research, and my readers really like learning about these things because they can enjoy a good story, but they still pick up some stuff they hadn't learned before. <laughs> it's been great it's fun. Very cool. So what are, what are the titles of your books? The most recent one is called The Carolina Emerald. And there's three in the series. The first is called The Blue Diamond. The second is The Pirate's Ruby. And then The Carolina Emerald. They can be read in any order, but you'll see the characters growing if you start at the beginning with The Blue Diamond. Very cool. And you're working on one now, so you'll be working on that for the next uh, couple year years, or two, I guess. Yes. Wow. And then tell us about your, uh, the dog performing uh, that you do. Well, this is very unusual. You can actually get titles in Dancing with Your Dogs. There are several organizations. <laughs> and what we ended up doing is my sister and I, um, she has a miniature long-haired dachshund, and I had the standard poodle. And we started performing together, and we won the International Pairs Dance Competition for dogs. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird. But after that, we put together a 40-minute show, and we've been performing at theaters and schools and libraries. We've been at the National Theater in downtown Washington, which was wow. really cool because that's historic. Well, I knew you since I was going to be talking to you today. I, I brought a friend that I want to show you. Can you see him? Isn't he adorable? <laughs> Hello this is, there, sweetie. This is Stumpy. 
She's Stop a poodle. It. Yes, You're obviously. Handsome. He's a little poodle. He's not a standard, but he just got groomed today, so he's got his little little scarf on. <laughs> well, he is. He a has a brother. Ball. Yeah, he's a cutie pie. He has a little brother, uh, Shaq. We call him Shaq, but uh, this one is Stumpy. Uh, but Shaq is his, his the row 13. Shaq is short for Shaquille, for Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, so I guess I, I, uh, my dogs are after basketball players. <laughs> what does that say? I never thought him? about that. But no, actually Shaq, because he was, uh, instead of the runt of the litter, he was this big one. He has very long legs. Uh, he's actually got one bad leg. And so uh, he, he kind of hobbles around on three. Um, and it's weird because it's been long enough now. He had surgery years ago and it didn't, didn't help, uh, with his leg. But so the front of his body has all the weight now. It's like his body has just adjusted naturally to where there's very little weight on the back end and, and he just kind of, everything's all on the front for, on his front leg. So he's kind of an unusual, <laughs> unusual dog, uh, you know, hopping along, but we call him Shaq. <laughs> Well, that it's amazing how dogs will adapt to something like that to have to running on three legs, and they can get around pretty fast too. They they are amazing, and and I got to tell you, you're you're reminding me of the story because your dog Sam was so heroic and literally to save your life and John's life. That's just so incredible and so heartwarming, and I think a lot of people can really appreciate that because there's so many animal lovers out there, dog lovers. But I, uh, it reminds me of my cat. I've always had cats and dogs. And uh, this one cat I had, Paige, a black and white uh, female, short-haired. She, uh, I had, at the time, I had Paige. I also had a dog named Lucky, a big, huge, 90-pound uh, lab shepherd mix, a black lab. But he had the shepherd body, and it was big. And so one day I was in my basement, and I had a sock, and Lucky was, you know, growr, you know, and I was going back and forth shaking the shock, the sock with him in, in his mouth. And all of a sudden, my cat Paige just ran down the stairs like a bat out of hell and jumped on Lucky's back, this 90-pound dog, here, this, you know, 10-pound cat or whatever. And I was like, whoa. I mean, she w went into full protection mode, like Lucky was, you know, attacking her. Yeah, and I knew from then on, she, and, and I used to say she was like the military police. Every night she'd make her rounds, you know, to the kids' bedrooms, you know, to John and I's bedroom. She would just uh, make sure everybody was safe, and she was just an extremely protective cat. So I always felt like, you know, uh, somebody better really think twice if they were going to come in our house and uh, think they were going to do something to somebody in, in my family because she would have, I mean, you, you, you do hear on occasion, yeah, attack cats that will climb up their leg and claw the, you know, somebody's face off, you know, <laughs> so, so maybe think about that, uh, that little story. <laughs> well, that's the nice thing about all family pets. If they're a cat or a dog, if they're a family member, um, they will protect their family. They don't have to be trained. Um, it's better if you don't train them, but they will any, I mean, your little guys will, will protect you. And there've been stories, I've heard stories about miniature poodles protecting really? and toys protecting their owners. Yes. Um, I, I can't even imagine my dogs. My dogs would probably go run and hide somewhere. <laughs> I no, actually so they wouldn't. Um, it, you'd be amazed because they understand. The animals understand when somebody's a threat and they will protect because you're a member of the family. So, yes, yeah. you don't need an attack cat. You can use attack, you know, your, any pet, a cat or a dog, they're very good. I don't know about birds, but you, do, 
prosecute. I, I there's let probably out of the some stories out there. I bet there are literally, you know, stories of birds that have done crazy things too. You know, oh, you yeah. hear some some strange ones, but animals are just amazing. And I, I now your Sam, he's he's passed away now. Yes, he's we we lost him about four years ago. He was fourteen and. He was uh, lived a long, happy life afterwards. Aww. So, you know, well, so and now you have a new poodle. Yes, and he's he's four, and he's learning to dance also. And uh, we're hoping to get him out into public sometime soon. Oh, <laughs> well, he that really is, enjoys it. <laughs> that is so cool. I tell you what, I I just think you uh, you know your story is fascinating, and. Um, I think it's really cool that you, you know, you've really kind of had the opportunity to uh, kind of, um, I don't know, change, change course a little bit after, after such a near death experience yeah. and, and losing everything to lose everything and to rebuild and then, you know, to re um, prioritize what you want to do with your time and your life is uh, extraordinary. So how can people find you, Lynn, you know, since you are an author and in fact, your husband, isn't he now? He's won Pulitzer Prizes, right? He's won a Pulitzer Prize? He's won two, actually. I like to tease him because both of his Pulitzers were in first in category. And I like to tease him that they couldn't figure out what to do with him, so they had to create a new category for him every time. And is it science that he writes about? Uh, science and medicine. Um, he was a sci science writer for the Baltimore Sun. But um, his books are written for... They're written like novels, even though they're nonfiction. So they're very enjoyable to read. Um, it's, he's one of the founders of something called narrative nonfiction. Uh, people might know The Perfect Storm. There's Black Hawk Down. Those are all in that genre. And um, so, yeah, so he's working on a novel now, too. So he's rethought his, where his uh, goals are since the fire also. So it's been interesting. But yeah, um, you can find both of us on Amazon. Um, but the, right, um, the best place to find my stuff is you go to lynnfranklin.com. And right now I have a free short story um, on my website. And it is for people who like animals. <laughs> so, oh, it's humor, awesome. just, something fun, just something fun. So if, um, if you're listeners i keep wanting to say readers because i'm used to <laughs> dealing with readers but if your listeners are in, are animal lovers they might get a kick out of that story yeah i did uh, notice that i caught that that you were wanting to say readers yes <laughs> i keep wanting to say readers <laughs> these days you probably get more uh people watching video than you do people reading but Probably um, audience would cover everybody. Yeah, audience is great. That, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully the you know people listening to your story will want to check out some of your uh, murder mystery books because they sound really cool. And um, I just want to thank you for for uh, coming on uh, the Pitbull Patty Show. I really am, am very appreciative because I think this is a really your story is incredible, and thank God it turned out great, and and you and John were safe and live to tell the, tell about it and had a wonderful dog, you know, by your side. Um, but it is something, a serious topic and I do see it. Uh, it is something in my real estate practice that I see all the time. Like I said, I've seen three just recently. One seller, in fact, um, refused to, to, um, you know, replace the panel box and the buyer 
um, pulled out of the contract, obviously. I mean, the buyer wasn't going to spend the money to do it and felt that it was a legitimate uh, repair that should be taken care of. And, and, um, you know, I totally agree. I think that's something that's very serious and people ought to have, have it checked out, you know, just call an electrician, have them come look at your box and your wiring. Just make sure it's good. And if you, especially if you got a house built in the fifties, sixties, seventies, you know, in that range, uh, even the eighties, uh, certainly um, a prudent thing to do. Yes, and I, I really appreciate you bringing this to attention to a people because we tell everybody if they have an older house, everybody we meet, get that box checked. Yeah, you know, it's just and really, get good insurance. <laughs> get good insurance, yes. Check your insurance also. Right, well, thank and you. And hug so. your dog. <laughs> Again, hug your dog, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Well, thank you, uh, Lynn, for coming on. And this wraps up this episode of the Pitbull Patty Show, where we are keeping it real in real estate. So until next time. 